Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited for you to hear episode number 63 of our podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Daniel Castaño. Daniel is currently playing professional baseball in the Miami Marlins organization. He played his college baseball at Baylor University. Just an incredible testimony, um, incredible young man on fire for the Lord, newly married. I cannot wait for you to hear from Daniel, so let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Daniel. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm honored. You bet. So before we get into the conversation here, I just wanted to um, just start out saying you came highly recommended from a previous guest, Case Smith. He was on episode 42. I understand y'all are close friends. So I reached out to him about a month ago asking just for a couple recommendations. I was looking for some baseball guests, and immediately he replied with your name. So um, I appreciate yeah. it. Case is more of like a brother to me, I would say. Uh, and being on something that Case has done, I actually listened to it. It was incredible. I don't even feel worthy, you know, <laughs> standing in that guy's shoes. You know, that guy brings a new person to Christ, it seems like, every day. And, uh, you know, I, I don't even feel like I, I should be on the same level as him. But, you know, I'm humbled and honored that, you know, he would mention me. And um, that's that's a, a guy, you know, is my brother, basically. Awesome. So I always like to start out each episode with just some background information. So if you don't mind, just tell listeners a little bit about um, where you're from, um, about your family, and maybe what sports you played growing up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was born in Orlando, uh, Orlando, Florida. Grew up in Austin, Texas. Uh, played uh, Little League Baseball at Oak Hill. Some good old days. Uh, grew up in the Presbyterian Church. Um and then I went to Lake Travis High School, which is also in Austin, that has some some famous alumni. I played with Baker Mayfield, uh, which was pretty cool. And, you know, learned some cool lessons from him about being a leader and all that. And so I, I grew up playing baseball and football. Um, I, I quit playing football my sophomore year after I kind of got a head injury and um, just figured that, uh, you know, baseball was – what I was going to do long-term and what God had blessed me with. And, um, it, you know, it was, it was starting to, he was starting to make that clear and clear and, um, basically just pursued that my whole life, uh, here on forward. Um, so I, I, like I said, I went to Lake Travis high school, um, and my senior year of high school, my parents moved to Florida and I ended up staying with my grandparents um, and finishing out my senior year of high school, um, which was, which was interesting for me. And, um, you know, it was, it was something where I was the, I'm the oldest of seven as well. Um, so I felt, you know, kind of ready to, they, they left it up to me and I felt ready to make that decision to stay and finish and, you know, be loyal to my high school coach. We had just went to the state semifinals the year before, and I was the winning pitcher in the regional championship to get us to the furthest in our school history. And then I was also the losing pitcher in the state semifinal game. So I kind of felt that loyalty to come back and, you know, stick with my coach who had stuck with me through, you know, tough times when I was, you know, not being my smartest in high school or making dumb decisions and um, stayed with my grandparents who are like second parents to me. Um, I'm recently married this off season, which is, you know, another incredible God thing that, you know, I'd love to touch on later. And yeah, um, so it's a lot of good things going on. That's awesome. So uh, when I was preparing for this, I was reading your bio from your Baylor days and remember your dad played college football at Rice. So was there any pressure 
to to stay, to pursue football over baseball? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, my dad's awesome. He, you know, he, whatever I wanted to do, he would, you know, he was full go. I remember speaking of why well, I mentioned Oak Hill Little League. He was my, mine and my brother's Little League head coach. And uh, at Oak Hill Little League, it was more than just Little League baseball. There was, you know, drafts, there was tryouts where the, all the whole coaches were there picking individual kids, first round draft picks, making trades. We we're having, you know, cookouts and, um, yeah, he, he coached my brother and I for, you know, many years and we had a blast just playing together and he was always so supportive driving me to games, uh, you know, doing, doing all that fun stuff. So it, it was awesome growing up with a father like that. That's awesome. So you yeah. played college baseball at Baylor. Um, so what was the recruiting process like at a place? I mean, you mentioned Lake Travis, which is a known for a lot of sports. So why, why Baylor? Yeah. Um, so like I said, with my dad growing up, we would always, you know, just talk about, just talk, you know, when you're in the car every single day going to practice games and, um, we would just say, you know, I, I always love Baylor. There's always something about Baylor. Um, and, and, you know, being in Austin, growing up in Austin, Texas, UT is kind of in everyone's blood, the university of Texas. And, uh, you know, if you're not a UT fan, it's almost, you shouldn't be living in Austin almost, you know? And, and my grandpa, my grandparents went to the University of Texas and it was always kind of my um, dream almost to play there. But I, I was always just, I always just wanted to play in the Big 12 and I wanted to pitch in the Big 12 one way or another. Um, so, and I wanted to stay in Texas. Um, so, it, it, you know, I, I just pitched and, doors started opening, um, all of a sudden. And I, we, you know, we, it, it was, it was funny how it went. It w- went almost, uh, very gradually. It was like the university of Houston. And then it was like the next step up from this was, was Texas tech. And this is before, you know, Texas tech and TCU were where they're at now with their baseball right. team. And then, then, so then the next was Texas tech in Lubbock. We're like, Oh, this is, this is cool. This is the big 12, but not quite it. And then we go to TCU, you know, and they offer me a scholarship and, I think it's great, but granted they lose 17 to four to UNLV and they haven't been ranked for, you know, 10 years when I think it was 2012. And then we go to Baylor and they're on a 24 game winning streak. They are number one in the country. You know, coach Smith has broken every record, you -hmm. know, in Baylor baseball history, big 12 baseball, you know, he's up there with Augie Garrido, everybody else. And, um, you know, I go and visit the campus. Uh, it's beautiful. Um, I remember going to the dining hall, which was, you know, all you can eat, just like great food, hanging out with the coaches and my dad. And my dad was like, man, this is awesome, you know? And then the, the deal breaker was just sitting in Coach Smith's office, just being able to chat with, you know, a legend like that. And him finally offered me a scholarship, you know, and basically one I couldn't refuse. Um, especially just how baseball works out with scholarships. Um, there's so few of them that it, it was, it took me maybe two days after I got home and I called right back and said, you know, I'm ready to be a Baylor bear. And that's when I, um, decided to go to Baylor. Um, but the, the God thing in that, which was pretty incredible is I'm named after a pastor named Dan Yeary, who, when my dad was growing up, his father, 
I'm Argentine, and his father left him and his four other siblings, and obviously his mother, to go back to Argentina. So my dad was playing baseball with his younger brother, like I was, for this coach named Dan Yeary. And he, you know, just loved on them and loved on them and loved on them. And one day my grandma, my I call her abuela, took my dad and all the kids to UBC in Miami. Um, and my dad asked my grandma, um, why is Coach Yeary up there talking to everybody? Because he was the pastor, obviously. And um, he was the one who brought my father to the Lord. And, you know, my dad went to seminary school at Rice and, and really is a pastor himself now, um, just started up a church in Miami. Um, and when I went to Baylor University, his son, Wes Yeary, randomly, like, this is, it was such an incredible God thing, is the sports chaplain for Baylor University. And we didn't know that. And so we see Wes and it's like, you know, this is where God wants you to be. Like, there's just, there was just no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, just seeing Wes and Wes was, Wes walked on at Baylor was just like, he's like a legend at Baylor just for his heart and his passion. And, uh, he used to cut my dad's hair growing up and it, it was just incredible how Wes, um, and God placed Wes in my life as well. Wow, that that is incredible. And before we get to the next question, I just want to pause and say you keep you're referencing Coach Smith. Coach Smith, he was actually a guest before Case on episode twenty. So if really? you're listening, go go listening to Coach Steve Smith on episode twenty, then his son Case on uh, episode forty two. Kind of give you a background, a glimpse of what Daniel's talking about with the those two guys. So I've got to ask you this about Baylor. My wife is a Baylor graduate. We spent a lot of time at Baylor Ballpark. We love Baylor baseball. Um, right. Through the years, we've we've been down there a lot. So I'm um, follow them. I remember that 24 game winning streak you're talking about. So what what would you say is your greatest memory of playing at Baylor? Greatest memory of playing at Baylor. Oh man, that's a great question. Um, you know, personally, I remember pitching against Oklahoma, and I. I uh, I threw a complete game shutout, and my grandparents were there, and and I, that was baseball wise, that was very cool, and um, you know, just kind of a, a little memento. Actually, let me take that. Let me take that step back. It was pitching at Minute Maid against LSU, and my grandparents were there, um, and, and that's that was you know one of our first years to do that, and it happened to be, you know, when LSU was number two in the country, and then I think A and M and Houston are playing next, so you know, there, we had quite the crowd and, um, I think we ended up losing like two to one or something. And we hit a foul home run in the bottom of the ninth. And I remember coach Smith saying like that game to the the media, like that game felt like a super regional or a regional. And it was just, and my whole family was there. It was just something that I always remember. Um, and then outside of that was obviously, you know, meeting West and, and meeting coach Smith. And that, like I said, that, that recruiting visit and just, you know, being in the presence of like those great men and, uh, like, and then obviously, uh, later meeting, you know, case and those other guys who had really helped me so much with my faith and, you know, Wes full circle ended up marrying me and my wife in October, which is just, you know, just crazy. It's just such a cool God thing. And uh, those are some of my best memories, honestly. 
That's awesome. So after Baylor's successful career at Baylor, you get drafted by the Cardinals organization. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about the baseball draft process. We've talked. I've talked to some guys on here about the football draft process, but no. Um, so I'm curious to um, to hear what it's like because there's so many different rounds, multiple right. days. You know, right. so what was it like when you're? Yeah, um, you know it, like. Honestly, for me, it was very stressful. Uh, I, you know, I want to sit here and say it was this incredible moment and it was very cool. Um, but you know, and it, and it completely ties into my walk with Christ. Um, but you know, just from the baseball standpoint, it was very stressful. I didn't have a good junior year. I had a lot of distractions going on. Um, uh, think the new coaching staff was able to get me a pretty decent agent, um, which helped quite a bit. But I didn't go until the 19th round, and I had pitched in the Cape Cod League the summer before and had a good summer and was hearing, you know, talk to multiple teams and um, just hoping to go, I guess, between rounds four and ten or, you know, just to help, you know, me and my family be more financially comfortable. And uh, it was just didn't perform my junior year, did no, no expectations, no idea what's going to happen, um, still confident in my ability. But, you know, just confused. I was very confused kind of as a person. And um, it was just like one round, then another round, then another round. And so how it's separated, I think it's rounds one and two are the first day. Then it's like three through 10 the second day. And then the third day is like 11 through 40. So after I didn't go on the second day, I was pretty frustrated. And I'm getting all these calls from these teams. Well, we almost took you. We we almost did this and that. It's like, well, why didn't you? You know, yeah. it, it's because you, you, you have to believe in yourself. And so I'm like, all right, 11th round. They're like, we're going to get you as soon as we can. As soon as you can. And it was like 11th round, 12th round, 13th round, 14th round. Mm. And after a point, I was like, I'm not even going to listen to anyone. Like I just stepped out and went in a different living room. And the Cardinals wasn't even one of the teams that I talked to at all. And, um, you know, they were the team that obviously ended up picking me in the 19th round. My family was ecstatic. We went to the store, got Cardinals hats. And, you know, that was another incredible God thing because in my baseball career, I, I really think if I hadn't been drafted by the Cardinals, which was so such a good pitching development organization, they, mm-hmm. they have a book about their minor league system, if you didn't know that, called The Cardinal Way. And where I completely changed everything I did baseball wise, I wouldn't be playing, you know, I would have wow. been done two, three years ago, which was also another God thing, you know, that I wasn't just thrown straight in the fire like some other teams do. And then if you don't form, see it, you know, uh, so that was pretty much just the draft process. So what year did you get drafted? Um, 2016. So I'm going on my fourth season right now. Okay. So then you're later traded to the Marlins organization. Um, what is it like in the minor leagues? I mean, knowing that you could get traded, I know in the major leagues you can too, but the minor leagues seems like there's a lot of movement. So what is it like going through the minor league system? I mean, literally day by day, not knowing if you're going to get traded. Right. Well, you know, like I can't, it's hard for me to talk about baseball and not include my story because I think it's incredible how God uses the things you are most passionate about. You know, he, he doesn't use the things that he didn't gift you with or that um, just some random thing that, you know, he thinks of it's the things that he's placed in your heart that he's 
you know, that made you the most passionate about. And he absolutely did that for me with baseball. Um, and, and it kind of ties back to like, for example, it, it, that first season, I think I was one in five with a six ERA in rookie ball, the lowest level, you know, the lowest of the low and coming in from a terrible junior year, I had no confidence. Um, and you know, I was still getting into trouble that first season, making terrible decisions. Um, and my season ended and I was like, man, I don't even know if I want to play baseball anymore. You know, like this is, I'm just, you know, I was not good at it. It's not working out. And, you know, case was still in Waco and that's where I was going to go back in the off season to train, um, and be with my friends and a year later to finish up school. And I would say I didn't treat case like a brother, maybe not even a friend during my time at Baylor. And I think this goes to show how much of a, a, a figure like Jesus that case is, is, you know, I, I was just like, I don't know who else to reach out to. I remember Case would always lead these Bible studies in school. And it's like, I'm looking for direction. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. I, I believed in Jesus, but I never, I can, I can honestly say I never really had that one-on-one relationship with him. So I remember kind of reading books and I was reading like a purpose driven life. And I ended up texting Case. And I was like, Hey man, like, can we just talk, you know, like I want to, I want to learn more about like figuring this out. And Case just welcomed me with open arms, you know, like, mm. absolutely, brother, let's get lunch. And I was blown away, you know, and, and I've, I've talked to him briefly about it, but just I couldn't understand how someone like that was so willing and loving to open up to someone like me and take me in without any questions, you know. Um, it was just a, such an incredible picture of Christ. And it's something that at the time you appreciate, but you don't really completely grasp until you start to see how God's really working that out in your life. Um, so like I said, we were starting those conversations and, and that was the, and that was the off season where God started to, you know, put this love of baseball back in my heart. Um, and then I ended up going to Antioch, a, a church in uh, Waco mm-hmm. and, one of my buddies invited me to it with his wife and we were sitting in the upper row and the pastor had given a great sermon. And he, and he was like, if any of this, you know, touch your heart and, and you just want to come down and pray with us, you know, you're welcome to do so. And I kid you not, there was probably 30 people who walked out in front of that stage. And right whenever he said that there was this one guy who was maybe, you know, like number 17 or 18, not, not nothing special, not an all white, nothing like that but I had my eye on him and we were at the top of the church, you know, like five rows from the top. And I'm just looking at this guy, you know, like what, what's going on? Like with, you know, and the pastor's like, he says it again. If there's anything on your heart. And at that point I was just like, you know what? Like, like I'm doing it. Like, I'm just going to go down. there. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm going to say. Mm. I'm just going to go down there. And every other person was filled up, but for some reason, no one went to that guy. And for no other reason, and I go up to him and, you know, I, I, I say something like, Hey man, like, can you, like, I, I need a girlfriend. Like, I need to figure something out, like something so dumb and absurd that he's like, hold on, man. Just like, give me a second. Let me pray. And let me, you know, see what God's saying to me. And he starts praying over me 
for things that I hadn't told anybody for, you know, for things that no one could have possibly known. And I kind of, I lose it. I break down and it, it was just such an incredible moment for me. And I walk out of the church and, um, and just lost. And I just under, not lost, but like finally feel God's presence, you know, and, and understand that God was there for me the whole time. And I ended up getting a text that was closure for another situation going on with a former relationship that was been hanging over me for a year and a half that had brought me down in every circumstance, literally right as I walked out of the church, like, wow, it was incredible. And so that was just another burden just completely taken on. And, you know, I just knew I was forgiven and I knew it was time to pick up my bootstraps and just let's go, you know, it's, it's game on. Um, and, and that was just such an incredible, impactful moment for me. So sorry, I, it's taken a while, but I'm trying to, you know, get over to the trade because the trade didn't yeah. just happen. You know, it, it took like, there were so many things. So then we went to a Bible study case, took me to a Bible study at this family called the Womacks in Waco, who, um, are just prominent in the Waco area in, in the, churches at first Baptist Woodway was the church I ended up going to and went to the Bible study there really started to grow and learn and go out and serve and just do everything I could because I was just on fire for the Lord but what that meant baseball wise is that you have to go to extended spring training so there's spring training but for the guys who aren't good enough to make a team they go to extended spring training which is like very intense very boring camp and a lot of guys just don't want to play baseball anymore because it's just, you know, hot. It's not fun anymore. It's just training because you're not good enough. So like I said with the Cardinals, they completely threw out everything that I had done, completely switched my game up. And I remember just being so content and so happy in the worst situation in baseball. You know, it's so professional baseball. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not complaining by any means, but I was so happy. I was in constant conversation with the Lord. And I was finally figuring out why God had called me to be a baseball player, to use my platform in some way for good, not just completely tearing people down and making Mm. terrible decisions. So I ended up going to the uh, short season, low A team, which is the second half of the season after extended. If, if you don't quite understand how the, the lower levels work. So that's from like June on to September. And I ended up going like nine, which is a level up from the league I was before. I ended up going nine and three with like a 2.5 ERA. I broke five or six of the team records, started the all-star game. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, you know, I understand exactly why, but it's just like, I didn't know I had this potential, you know, like no one in the Cardinals organization could have believed this. You know, I started, I made the problem at the end of the year, which 30, you know, 30 or 40 guys make. And, um, you know, I can't tell you how many guys came up to me and were like, wait, you don't want to go out. Like you don't go out anymore. Like that, like you're a completely different person. Like the old Daniel would have done this, this, and this, like the old Daniel did this all the time. And so that, that was so big for me. And just them seeing the change, not me talking to them, not being in their face and not, you know, saying Jesus is awesome. This is why, 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 but them just seeing that 
And I was able to start a Bible study within my team there where I created, you know, four or five best friends. Um, guys, to this day that when I come back to spring training, we go to Bible study together who weren't believers, guys who gave their lives to Christ, you know, like best friends in my entire life. Um, and I, and I do want to touch on that a little bit more later. Um, you know, and so then I go back to the one, like that finishes it was incredible, incredible season, something I never believed possible. I go back to the Womack's house. They open their doors to let me live with them so that I can finish my degree. I end up going back to finish my degree. I get baptized. Um, I was baptized as a baby and, um, I, I didn't necessarily think I needed to be baptized again, but I felt God calling me to do that. Um, and I felt at, at having that new relationship with Christ, you know, I was definitely a completely new person and, you know, I wanted to show that. And Case was the one who ended up baptizing me at our church, First Baptist Woodway, that next off season, which was just, you know, another step. I met my wife that off season, which was incredible. And then I go hunting with one of my best friends and I'm just hanging out. We're talking, having a good time hunting. And my dad calls me. Okay. I decline the call because I'm hunting. I can't talk while I'm hunting. You know, I'll scare all the animals away. My dad calls me again. Dad, why are you calling me? Stop calling me. I'm hunting. I text him, dad, I'm hunting. He goes, you just got traded to the Marlins. Call me right now. Cause he had seen it on Twitter that there was a major league player traded to the Cardinals from the Mar from the Marlins for four minor leaguers to be named. And my family lives in Miami. So my dad said when he saw that he was praying and praying and praying and praying and praying that I would be traded to the Marlins because when I told you about that great season I had, I didn't move up at all. I didn't move up oh, any wow. level because the Cardinals were so stacked with so mm -hmm. many good players. And that was so frustrating for me because I was like, God, you finally showed me this ability. You finally showed me like, this is what you want me to do. And I'm doing everything I can to bring people to Christ, but I love baseball also, you know, like, um, and so then because I didn't move, I had pitched against the Marlins so many times and pitched so well against them that I ended up getting traded for them to them. And, uh, which is a completely new, like rebuilding organization with so the most opportunity in all of baseball right now. And so long story short, my dad, you know, was ecstatic. I get down the stand, I get the age, the call from my agent that I officially didn't trade to get the call, talk to the GM of the Marlins, like just an incredible moment for me. I still couldn't believe it. Like I, like a year and a half, two years ago, I was almost out of the game of baseball and just going to be completely thrown in the world lost, you know, without my degree, without a wife, without whatever, you name it. I didn't have anything, no money, like nothing to the biggest opportunity of my life and, you know, working towards getting married to the most incredible woman of my life, like near my family, it was just like, just another incredible, incredible God thing. So that like, wow. like I said, with baseball, that's how I can't really explain it by saying, well, I just got good at baseball because it doesn't make sense that way, you know? Right. No, that's good because all Case told me when he texted me and says, hey, he called Daniel. He just said he had a major faith transformation since he's been in pro ball. And so that's right. all I knew. So, I mean, just hearing that story is 
unbelievable. We really could stop right there and be done and it would be incredible, <laughs> incredible testimony. So I'm going to skip down a couple of questions from what I sent you. Um, you've kind of already hit on, you know, using baseball as a platform right. you know, to, to share Christ. So what is, what would you say is the biggest challenge for you though, while still pursuing that major league dream, but also being a follower of Christ, I'm sure there's um, resistance and um, there's time, you know, is the grind of, of, of baseball. So what, what would you say is your greatest challenge of balancing? Oh man. You know, I can honestly say I have no idea how guys do it without having Christ in their life. Mm. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like you are just, in the minor leagues, it's tough because you're not a major leaguer. People get those mixed up, and and you're grinding every day, and you see your best friends disappear every single day because they got cut, they got released, they don't want to play the game anymore, or you know, there's a teammate who's maybe out to get, or you're just you don't you have brotherhood with a very few players, but if they're not, you know, necess- I wouldn't say necessarily Christian brothers, but guys you can really trust on that have good intentions that you know, are after your heart and really care for you. Um, it's just, I, I was lost. Like I said, I, I could barely even make it through a half season. I don't understand how guys have careers without it. There, the, you know, there's the temptations, there's, you know, the loneliness. It's like, mm. you name it. Any one of the devil's schemes is, you know, it's out to get, it's out to get you, um, whatever you, you struggle with. And having that, just to keep you grounded and to keep you steady and to give you real brothers who care about you, who you can lean on, you know, when you need more than maybe just to FaceTime your wife, you know, or your significant other, you you know, just who you can really pour into and they can pour into you as well. It's just, it's so refreshing. And then like we have a Bible study here that they do um, during spring training. I mean, we have one during the regular season as well that all the big leaguers go to for the Cardinals, Nationals, Marlins, and the Mets. Um, and just seeing those guys, you know, being such strong leaders and professing their faith and being like, man, how cool is it to be, you know, like a brother with these guys? Um, it's just something that, like, I was thinking about that. I don't understand how people do it without, because I was beat down and right, you know, right there, I'm filled right back up, ready to go, ready to get after it this week. It, it's just a pretty cool thing. That is awesome. That is good. So is there a story where since you've uh, given your life to Christ, you're now on fire for the Christ that you've seen God work through you in a, in a teammate's life? Yeah. Like, I mean, th- there's definitely a, a couple that come to mind. Um, for example, I, I go to one with Paul who went to Cornell, a very smart kid uh, who was very good heart. And you could tell he was always searching for something, but it needed to make sense to him, you know, just coming from that background. And, you know, once we kind of talked about the relationship aspect of it, he really was just on board, gave his life for Christ. And we go to Bible study every day, but the one that really touches to me, touches me the most is, uh, and, and I think one of your questions was about, you know, different backgrounds is a friend named Johan Oviedo from Cuba. And, um, you know, we could barely even speak the same language, you know, but enough to get, you know, we both cared for one another and we both loved one another. And I was able to do what I could to talk to him about Jesus and to bring him with me 
to certain things where there would maybe be a Spanish speaker. Cause there's a lot of opportunities where other players are, there's going to be a Spanish speaker, you know, as well and bring him to know the Lord more and more. And, um, he, you know, we were able to go to a, we found a Bible study during spring training where this lady from Columbia named Lena opened her house and would cook us meals. Wow. And his family is stuck in Cuba, granted. And she would cook all of us meals and then teach us a Bible study after. And she would do half of it in English and then she would repeat it in Spanish. And then she'd do half in English, half in Spanish. And when I met her, I just randomly reached out. I was like, I need, I'm coming to Florida. I need to get involved. I don't care where it is. I don't care how. And I heard Christ Fellowship is a great church. And I was the first person to show up to her Bible study. And she had been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying that people would show up. And the only other people to show up the first two weeks were her two kids. As she made, she told us exactly. <laughs> she made sit there and watch. And it's like, man, wh- how cool is it? Like, what are the chances that a Spanish-speaking and English-speaking woman with a huge house who loves people, who just all she wants to do is feed them and talk to them about Christ, it opens her home. And I remember at one point we had 12 to 15 guys show up, Spanish and English, who would show up every single week just to eat, hang out, like I said, have that fellowship, learn more about Christ. Um, and this was two or three years ago, and we're all going back to Houston this Saturday. But to go on with Johan is Johan was that one guy who I stuck with and became my best friend. And he ended up flying all the way down from Florida to Austin to come to my wedding. And he happened to be wearing a similar color tux to all my groom. He was going to be a groomsman, but we weren't really sure if he was going to be able to make it. So we're just like, you know, if you can come, that'd be incredible. And he was in all our pictures, you know, just like right by my side. And it was just you know, this incredible friend who I still talk to every day. Um, it, it was just, that's the guy, you know, who I could really, I wouldn't have had a friendship like that if it wasn't for Christ, you know? That's awesome. I'm going to ask yeah. you one question. I didn't really give you, um, it wasn't on the, on the sheet I sent you, but you mentioned being a newlywed. So right. how do you balance that now in your first spring training as a married guy? Um, What's the, how, how do you balance the, the baseball with now being a husband? Right. Um, well, my wife is incredible. She's so incredible. Um, and we ended up about a month before decided we want to come to Miami and my parents okay. live in Miami and they were so, you know, they're always used to having seven kids in the house and they only have two left. Everyone's in college or gone. So they love the noise. They love Brooke to death. Like, and, uh, they were so gracious and, welcomed us with open arms and said Brooke can stay there as long as she wants. They want her to stay forever, but you know, um, eventually we want to get our own apartment. And so she's been there for a few weeks. And so we pulled a U-Haul across, you know, Austin to Texas in my truck and she drove her car too. And we made the hike. And so she's only an hour, half away. Um, and so, so far, uh, she's already been able to visit during weekends. Um, and then on an off day, I hopefully I'll be able to go down and see my family. And, but my parents have really made it very easy for us, just comfortably moving everything and moving in. And so far, we've balanced just by talking as much as we can and um, really staying committed um, to Christ in our relationship and um, sticking with that and, and first and foremost. And then 
just doing everything we can to, you know, see each other because when the season starts, we don't know when, how that's going to yeah. work. You just, yeah. you never know. Um, so we try to make time for it now and just balance everything. And, you know, she understands that this window is small for baseball and she's been so incredible, incredible with um, all that. And she's just doing everything she can to help make this, you know, opportunity for me um, as easy as possible and just, you know, help me follow my dreams and, um, hopefully one day I can, you know, reciprocate and, and help her do the same, you know, and help her, uh, stick on God's path that he has for her as well. That's awesome. So you alluded to, um, a question about, um, different people with different backgrounds. So we started this organization about four or five years ago with the idea that sports is one way to bridge the divide that is in our culture, whether it's race or um, socioeconomic status, or even now politically we're more divided than ever. So, and and sports is one of the things, I mean, you you talked about it with, with your friend from, from Cuba. It, it's one language, if you will, that everybody speaks is it's sports. So how have you seen that, um, sports play a role in kind of tearing down those barriers. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, how sports tears that down is, you know, everyone understands, you know, hello, everyone understands when you walk in in the morning, maybe early, but you have a smile on your face and you, you greet that person no matter who they are, what their background is. And, um, I, I think sports is just such a cool way to help you understand, you know, different backgrounds and, where people come from. And mm. I think that I really has really been in my heart um, is to have a relationship with that person, no matter what. Um, and the, I heard a cool quote that was love them for where God has them right now and not where you think they should be. Um, That's good. And so, and that was the thing I, I, I kind of learned from my first year with the Marlins and then that last year with the Cardinals is I didn't care who they were. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was, I was not a good person. And I just wanted a relationship with them. And I just wanted to, to show them what I had showed them compared to that second year where I knew what's right and wrong. And I'm just going to try to push away all the negative. Uh, you, you're going to do that. I'm sorry. I just don't do that. You know, like push it away rather than just loving them no matter what mm. and spending time with them. And obviously not, putting yourself in bad situations, but when you're at the field, really taking the time to get to know them, talk to them so that, you know, you, you're able to take that next step. If God, God willing, obviously he opens that door for you and you can pray over them. Um, a really cool thing going back to that was a a player from Puerto Rico when I was with the Cardinals. We weren't really great friends, but he always knew I did the Bible study. He always knew I cared about others. And he, I always asked him how his day was, how you doing, man? How's this going? And I remember a month before the season ended, he came up to me and he said, Hey, my dad has cancer. Will Mm. you pray? Will you pray for him? And I was like, what me? Like, why are you coming up to me? Like, we're not even like friends, you know? And I didn't say that obviously, but I was like, so taken back. And I was like, man, like if I had just been a jerk to him or just not even been a jerk, just kind of, Hey man, I don't do that. Like, sorry, you know, have a good day. Then that opportunity alone would have never, you know, it's just, I, I think if 
no matter where someone's from, it, you, you have to start a relationship with them some way, somehow, you know, just by saying hi and putting a smile on your face. That's good. That's good. So a lot of our listeners are student athletes, coaches. So from the athlete perspective, um, I mean, we athletics as a platform can be used for good right. or for bad. So what advice or encouragement would you offer that athlete or coach that is a believer, but maybe uh, struggling to be bold in their faith? How, how would you encourage them to, to be that bright light? Right. Um, you know, it, it's tough to say because there's so, there's so many things I want to um, touch on. But the one thing that really stuck out to me was, um, you know, you're always trying to figure out the consistency. You know, in minor leagues, everybody's good. Everybody throws hard. Everybody can hit home runs. You know, even in, let's say the thing that made someone like Tiger Woods so great is that he would hit a 68, you know, around every single week and it wasn't just the one time he randomly won the masters and um i think you know having christ in our life was is really the only way to stay consistent and to stay um on track you know with the plan that god has for you and then i think by staying consistent and on staying on track god will open those doors to be bold and to reach out to others and then you know, you'll know, I guess, when that time is there and just to understand that, um, you know, since God has you on this right path and that you're following his plan, just to not be afraid to say what, you know, God has done in your life to help you to potentially help someone else as well, who may be struggling with the same thing or, you know, different issues. That's good. It's just a reminder that everybody's got a story and we need to constantly tell our stories. Right. You know, because exactly. a lot of times we feel like, oh, well, my story is not that dramatic. So nobody will listen, but, but you're right. right. So a lot of people have a favorite verse or they call it a life verse. Um, is there a scripture you would share to encourage us or maybe one that God's shown you recently? Yeah. Um, one God's shown me recently that I thought was pretty cool and, and has touched me and I think can definitely go back to what we've been talking about is second Corinthians 12, nine is that is my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, I, I just think that's such a, such a cool verse because you're never going to figure it out in sports. You're never going to figure it out in life. You're never going to be perfect. Um, just because you're following Christ and giving everything you got and you're going to Bible study, you're reading your Bible every day and you're listening to podcasts doesn't mean you're going to throw nine innings shut out next week. You may not even mm. get out of the first inning, but that weakness or, you know, let's say it's not baseball. Let's say you, you know, went back on a temptation or, or just something along those lines. That weakness is another great opportunity to give everything to Christ and to say, I know I'm not perfect, Lord, but I love you. And you have me on this path and you have me doing this. And my weakness is made perfect because of what you did on the cross for me. And I, that's just a verse that I think, you know, is giving me such confidence because it takes everything out of my hands. Mm. Um, God put me in this plant right here where I'm sitting right now to be playing for the Marlins for some reason. And so it's my job to give it everything I got to honor him with my gifts. There's no excuse. There's, well, I'm tired. Well, so is everyone else. You know, it's as a Christian, 
we should be more on fire than anybody else. There's no excuse we have because God's taken away all those chains, all those burdens, and we're free. We're free to just follow that and have fun, you know, and just to stay and do give it everything we got, which I think has been very, you know, encouraging for me. That's awesome. That's a good word, man. That's good. So last question, it, it's related to being all in. You hear those two words a lot in sports um, about, you know, giving all your effort. You know, a lot of teams adopt that as their theme, if right. you will. But also, I mean, that's what Jesus calls us to do um, right. in our walk. He doesn't want us to halfway do it. So right. what does it look like for you, Daniel, to be all in in your daily walk with Christ? Absolutely. And it kind of touched back on what I just said. And and this really came to me two years ago when Christ I spoke to me and he said, Daniel, I gave, I've given you these gifts. You know, it's, it's obvious you're, you're left-handed, you're the oldest, which helped me be a leader, you know? Um, and this is the path I have you on, you know? Um, excuse me. So it, the, what, what came to my head and, and what it's been repeating to me almost for a couple of years is that, you know, I have you on this path right now. I may not have you on this path forever, you know, and I don't know where I could be tomorrow. You know, I could not even wake up tomorrow per se. Um, but whatever path that I'm on right now, it's like I said, it's my job to give it everything I got. You know, let's say I, you know, have to get surgery tomorrow and my baseball career is done tomorrow. There's a reason for that. Um, and whatever God then puts on, puts me on the next path, you know, of life, that it's my job to give it everything I got for him to honor him and glorify him. Baseball is the platform he's using for me right now. And, you know, I love it and I'm so blessed. So, you know, incredibly humbled to be doing something that not everyone's able to do. Um, but I can't take that for granted, you know, and, and the fact that God's even giving me this breath right now is just such an incredible thing. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, it's my job to be all in and, no matter what I'm doing in my life, you know, he's, he's put me there for a reason, no matter where that is. Very good. That's good, man. Hey, I appreciate you um, being willing and, and available to do this because I know in the middle of spring training, you don't have a lot of free time. So thank you for taking, <laughs> yeah, taking some time to, to, to do this. And um, we wish you well as you finish up spring training and, in, and into the season. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's been an honor. I really appreciate it. Well, what an incredible testimony from Daniel. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Um, I hope you got a glimpse into the testimony and the passion that Daniel has now for living for the Lord and making Christ known everywhere he is, wherever God has him, his desire is to just point people to Jesus by the way he lives, leading Bible studies, um, building relationships with people, and just like he said, loving people where God has them. And then when, when we're consistent in our walk with Christ, God's going to open the right doors. And then the scripture reminder that he gave us from 2 Corinthians twelve nine, just a reminder that God's grace is sufficient. His power is is made perfect in our weakness. We're weak, but yet we find strength through God and resting in God's grace. So thank you 
so much to Daniel for taking the time during spring training, a busy time for a young baseball player to, to share his story. But I can tell you how excited he was to be able to, to share his story and just take advantage of opportunities um, to point people to Jesus. I would encourage you now to take this episode, share it with a family member, share it with a friend, someone you know that needs to be encouraged. And also, um, I, I would ask you to, to go to iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, this five-star reviews, the greater the platform we have to continue spreading the love of Christ through media. And lastly, um, as always, if you're a longtime listener, you hear this all the time. We love to hear from you. Um, you can reach us through our Facebook page, All In Sports Outreach, or our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. You can find out who we are, why we do what we do, interact with us, find out opportunities to, to pray for us, to serve with us, and also to give to continue this, this ministry that we call All In Sports Outreach. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for listening. And if this is your first time listening to an episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes. We've had some incredible testimonies. And just click the subscribe button and you can get caught up on, on previous episodes and, and get a glimpse into um, how God is working across the country in the lives of athletes and, and coaches and ministry partners. So until next time, 